Good afternoon, folks. It's that time of the day again. Time for the Elephant in the Room on WJAS 1320 AM and 99.1 FM Talk. This is your host, Sam DeMarco, joined in studio by my trusty executive director, John Schneider. As always, I, I, I say this all the time, I absolutely meet it. He is the best executive director of any party here in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. And I'm also joined today by our producer, Dazzling Dandy Daryl Grandy. Daryl, thank you for doing everything that you do to help get our messages out over the airwaves to our listeners. Well, thank you for being here, Sam. Well, <laughs> yeah. well I'm here too. But hey, what I'm really excited about today is we have, a, we have a great show lined up for our listeners today because I have on the phone here joining us from the central part of the state is a good friend of, of my, mine and this show, and that's Loman Henry. Now, Loman's the chairman and chief executive officer of the Lincoln Institute of Public Opinion Research. That's a nonprofit public affairs foundation based in Harrisburg. But he also is very familiar with radio. He serves as the host of American Radio Journal, which is heard on over 200 radio stations nationwide, including this station. He's host of the Lincoln Radio Journal. And, it's, and also, he's the president of the Pennsylvania Leadership Council, which produces the annual Pennsylvania Leadership Conference. And we're going to talk a lot about that. So, Loman, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Sam. Always a pleasure to be with you guys. Well, I, I'll tell you what. Anytime we talk, I mean, you have such a breadth of experience when we talk about what you've done, you know, in your pr- prior life, okay? Yeah, I mean, you were former chief of staff, the state senator Earl Baker. I mean, you were a political director for the state party. You were executive assistant to the attorney general of Pennsylvania, and you served in elective office, you know, in your township. <clears throat> so you really understand how government operates, you know, at almost all levels, and you bring a, a, a level of institutional knowledge that, that many don't possess. So, you know, I personally enjoy talking with you and understanding you know, your perspective on how some of the things we wrestle with today, you know, had their roots, you know, previously started years and years ago. Well, they certainly have. And, and I appreciate the job that you all are doing there in Allegheny County. Uh, a lot of folks don't realize that statewide, Allegheny County, if I believe, I believe I'm correct, you have the largest number of registered Republicans of any county in the state. I think I'm correct in that. Sam. Yes, sir. Yep. Uh, so, you know, even though there are a lot of Democrats in Allegheny County, there are a lot of Republicans, and that, of course, makes Allegheny County. Uh, and, you know, southwestern Pennsylvania, Sam, back when I started, uh, many, unfortunately, decades ago now, I was a county chairman in Westmoreland County, and we were two and a half to one Democrat, Green County, Fayette County, Rock Solid Democrat, Allegheny Beaver. It is so great to see where southwestern Pennsylvania has gone in recent years, that it's now the most Republican part of the state outside of central Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. particularly north central Pennsylvania. And, you know, you really have been the, the growth area for the Republican Party. So uh, especially as we look at this uh, very uh, winnable U.S. Senate race that we have this year, uh, and of course uh, winning the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania for uh, Donald Trump, uh, certainly Allegheny County is going to play a big role and uh, thanks to you guys for being part of that. Well, listen, we're, we're, we're certainly going to do our best, and, and I appreciate all the kind words about the folks in southwestern Pennsylvania, but I can tell you a lot of that hard work is being done by the chairman in the other counties. I mean, Bill Bretts in Westmoreland County is doing a phenomenal job. You know, Roman Kozak up in Beaver County has revitalized, you know, that county. You know, uh, the folks in Washington County, Sean Logue is trying to do his best you know, wrestling with some of the groups down there to, to try to unite that party. But they have really, they're the ones that have really turned this area red, okay? Allegheny County, while we've always had the most Republicans in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, have also had the second largest amount 
of Democrats in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania behind only Philadelphia. And But we are making progress. As of this week, Loman, I mean, it is under 2 to 1. It used to be, in the city of Pittsburgh, it's like a 5.5 to 1 D to R registration advantage for the Democrats. But when you took a look at the rest of the county, it was just over 2 to 1. Well, now it's under 2 to 1. Right now, there are 508,708 registered Democrat voters in Allegheny County and 257,557 registered Republicans. So Republican registration is growing. Democrat registration is sinking. And, and I believe when as people see more and more the results of progressive governance, you know, the terrible job that Mayor Ed Ganey is doing in the city of Pittsburgh, and uh, what I expect is not going to be much different, the job that the county executive, Sarah Inamorato, does here in Allegheny County, I think you'll see those numbers move even further. And Sam, that is also happening statewide in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And one of the, one of the stories that you don't see told very often, if at all, is the fact that if you go back four years ago to 2020, <clears throat> and certainly back to 2016, statewide in Pennsylvania, Democrats were approaching a million vote registration advantage over Republicans. That has now shrunk to under a half a million. Matter of fact, I haven't seen the, the numbers. Well, the February numbers will be coming out shortly. Uh, I think we're down to about a, about a 450,000 voter registration deficit. So if you look at the, the number, the, the way that margin has shrunk, far greater, Sam, than the margin by which Joe Biden won, in quotation marks, <clears throat> Pennsylvania uh, four years ago. Yeah. So just by registration alone, if Republicans turn out to vote in numbers that we have seen them do for Donald Trump before, we, we really have a very good chance of carrying this state for Donald Trump. We, we absolutely do. And, and I'm looking at the latest numbers, Loman, from this week from the Department of State's website. <clears throat> and right now, the Democrats have a registered or they have approximately 3,889,586 Democrats registered to vote in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Republicans have 3,479,122. So when you look at those two numbers there, the delta has come down from, if you remember uh, 2010, they had Uh an advantage of almost a million two. Now it's down to 410,464. Unbelievable. In the month of of January alone, there were something like 7,200 new Republicans and uh, a net loss of 29 Democrats. So that trend is continuing if it, contri- if it continues that way into the November election, Sam, I think we go into the November election under 400,000 down. Oh, I, so. I, I absolutely agree. And, you know, I think one of the missteps here, you know, our governor, uh, Josh Shapiro, uh-huh. when he took and opened up a PennDOT for automatic voter registration, I don't think he anticipated uh, the results that he's seeing today, which is really no advantage whatsoever for the Democrat Party. It's pretty much an equal, even distribution. Yep, that it is. And, uh, you know, the one thing, though, that we have to do better as a Republican Party very clearly is on mail-in balloting. Uh, the Democrats have been, you know, eating our lunch on that. Uh, look at last year's statewide judicial races. Uh, you know, they, they started out with such a mail-in ballot lead, we were unable to overcome it in mm-hmm. the in the in the election day voting. Uh, And I know, and I have this conversation, Sam, with a lot of people, uh, Republicans are skeptical of mail-in balloting. There's a lot of concern about ballot security, etc. But the bottom line is it's here. It's a fact of life. It isn't going to change. 
not with Josh Shapiro in the governor's office, and especially with the Democrat House. Therefore, as a Republican Party, we have to get better at it, or at least competitive with the Democrats if we expect to win. You can't have them voting for 50 days and us voting for one day and expect we're going to overcome it. We can't. So this year, I know a number of outside groups are going to be weighing in uh, with with mail-in ballot efforts. Citizens Alliance of Pennsylvania announced a $2 million program to go out and uh, push for mail-in ballots, the Pennsylvania Chase. We're, we're going to be talking more about that when we talk about the leadership conference in a little while. Mm-hmm. This, is how we're, this is how we're going to win and how we're going to be competitive. We're not going to let the Democrats beat us on mail-in balloting this time around. Well, we can't. I mean, you and I are both members of the same choir. And we're singing from the same hymn book where we've been pushing the fact that, you know, if mail-in ballots are a, an option for voting, we need to utilize that same option. You know, and I've often compared giving the Democrats the up to 50 days of early voting that they have to get out their vote and, and relegating ourselves to the 13 hours on Election Day is basically like giving somebody a 50-yard head start in a 100-yard race. Well, look at what happened with the recent special congressional election up in New York, mm-hmm. where the Democrats had banked their votes through mail-in balloting. On election day, a major snowstorm hit. And when the major snowstorm hit, Republicans didn't come out to vote because the roads were impassable. There was a major snowstorm. Right. So the Democrat took control and won that congressional special election. Because you never know what's going to happen on election day. Well, that, that also with Pennsylvania weather, you never know what's going to happen an hour from now. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. No, I was going to add that also happened here in the special election out there in Bucks County. You know, they had a snowstorm that day as well, and they were a, between lower bucks and upper bucks. It varied between four and nine inches. And, you know, one of the things in studies have shown for every inch of snowfall, it reduces turnout by 1%. Uh-huh. For every inch of rain, it reduces turnout by half a percent. You know, so when I try to talk to folks about using these ballots, and I vote by mail, Loman, it frees me up on election day to do whatever I need to do, okay? But I try to tell folks, it takes all of the risks in life out of the equation. You know, you don't have to worry. Your kids get sick. You get called out of town for work. Car breaks down. I mean, there's a myriad of excuses or things that come up, you know, in life that can affect people's ability to get to the polls on election day. Here, you take all that out of the equation and you get your vote and you get it banked early. And the other big benefit, if you vote by mail and you vote early, all the campaigns leave you alone, okay? <laughs> I mean, that not that worth doing in and of itself? Yeah, no more text messages, phone calls, direct mail pieces. All that goes away. Exactly. And so, hey, if you want to vote by mail just because – you don't want to be bothered with all the incessant contacts that you get during campaign season. That's a great reason to use it. You know, if you want to vote by mail because you want to help your party, you know, that's a great way because it allows them to spend the money they do have more effectively, more cost effectively, by not having to contact you who have already cast your vote and banked your vote, you know, and it's sitting there waiting to be opened on election day. So a lot of great reasons, you know, to use it. It's just a matter of can we get you know, our voters to do so. And, uh, you know, since 2020, that's been a bit of a challenge for us, right? It really has. And and this is a great way, too, 
for us to go out and get those low-propensity voters, uh, the folks that don't show up every election day. Mm -hmm. Uh, We get our volunteers out there knocking on their door, getting them to vote by mail, and that that just adds voters to the to the turnout. And you know, in Pennsylvania, even though the voter registration margin is shrinking, uh, we still need to do better in turnout than Democrats do in order to win. Now, fortunately for us, uh, we're going to have at the top of the ticket this year the person who most motivates voters to the polls, uh, and that's Donald Trump. And that's true, but that's also he motivates voters on both sides, yeah. and that's the concern, right? <laughs> you know. Um, <coughs> Well, we're going to hope that the uh, the Democrat voters move as slowly as the president does. <laughs> oh. oh, isn't that the truth? Uh, that, I, which means they won't be able to find their way to the polls. Right, <laughs> right. Or, 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 or if they're riding their bike, they will have fallen and not be able to get up. You know, <laughs> I mean, he certainly had his, he certainly had his challenges. And yeah, who would have thought that we'd get to this place? And uh, but it, it, here we are, and it certainly looks like eighty-one-year-old Joe Biden and seventy-seven-year-old. Uh, former President Donald Trump are going to be, you know, the nominees uh, or the folks that are on the ballot here this November, unless something changes. And I don't know what the chances of that are. Probably slim. Uh, it would it would really require something extraordinary to derail either Donald Trump or Joe Biden from their nomination and from going into the fall. Now, certainly there are things that can happen, but. It would, be, it would be extraordinary and historical if it does. So at this point, I think we're just going to have a rerun of the 2020 election. Mm-hmm. But look at the polling, Sam. In every one, every one of the battleground states, Donald Trump has taken a lead. And now we're a long way. It's only, you know, it's only the 1st of March here. You, know, we, you have a long way to go until November. Right. But it, it's uh, rather astounding to see Donald Trump with that sort of a polling lead in all these battleground states. And, you know, he doesn't have to win every one of them. Uh, you, you just have to get to that magic 270. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what? I mean, you, you're, I, I follow the polls as well. <clears throat> and like you, I mean, I'm, I'm doing it, uh, I don't want to say with trepidation, but I, you know, I'm very hopeful, but I recognize that it's just a snapshot in time. And there's a lot of things that are going to happen before Election Day. So my fingers are crossed, you know. But in, in addition, while we're talking about the presidential race, I'm very excited but also concerned for all of our down-ballot races. You know, we have uh, – when John Fetterman was elected in 2022, it was the first time in many years we didn't have a Republican senator here in Pennsylvania. And so Bob Casey is being challenged by Dave McCormick, who's an outstanding candidate and the toughest candidate – that uh, Bob Casey has ever faced, you know, in this year. And I'm very hopeful that the increased turnout driven by former President Trump, you know, will be enough to help get McCormick over the finish line and to be able to put a Republican down there in Washington representing us in the U.S. Senate. Well, I think we certainly have a chance. You're absolutely correct. Bob Casey has never faced a candidate, probably since... uh since he won his first election mm-hmm. against Rick Santorum, has not faced a challenger <clears throat> who has the the credentials and the money and the organization and the folks behind him, as does Dave McCormick. And the fact that this year we were able to avoid a fractious primary, so we're not spending money against each other in the primary. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's already said it's going to be Dave McCormick versus Bob Casey. We're able to go full speed into the general election. And you know, Sam... Bob Casey doesn't have anything to run on. In his time in Washington, he's had his name. He's not sponsored or or has achieved any major piece of legislation whatsoever. 
And I think that that's a big po- point that Mr. McCormick is making. He's saying that in Pennsylvania here, we are a consequential state. You know, whoever wins Pennsylvania will likely win the White House, all right? But yet we have the least consequential senator that we've had in Bob Casey, who, as you just pointed out, you know, in 17-plus years in the United States Senate, doesn't have a single piece of signature legislation he can hang his hat on. And he's he's got the same problem Joe, Joe Biden has. Uh, what are you going to run on? Uh, you can't run on the economy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had uh, cumulatively 20% inflation over the, the, the last three years of, of Joe Biden. Uh, wage growth has not kept up with inflation. Interest rates have priced people out of the housing market. Uh, at the kitchen table, people are having difficulty making ends meet, so you can't talk about the economy. Uh, you can't talk about foreign affairs. I mean, my goodness, uh, look at the disaster that was uh, the Biden withdrawal from Afghanistan. That emboldened Putin. We've had the, the, the attack in Israel. Uh, the world is a mess. There is literally nothing for Joe Biden or Bobby Casey to run on, which is why, of course, Sam, and it, it's a subject of a commentary I wrote this week, that, that's why they keep talking about democracy in peril, because they, they don't have anything to talk about. So they're trying to demonize voters of the opposing party, and frankly, that doesn't really get you votes. Uh, all it does is further motivate the people who are going to go out there and work against you to begin with, and that doesn't attract any new voters to you. So the Democrats are really up against the wall with nothing to sell, no product to sell, and they have a chief salesman who can't even find his way off a stage. Oh, yeah, they, they, <laughs> you're absolutely right. And, and when you talk about that, I mean, you were talking about Bob Casey is trying to run. I mean, I don't know if he and Biden are joined at the hip, you know, and they're, and they're bad hips at their age, but they're joined at the hip here because they're trying to insult the intelligence of the voters here in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania and across this country by trying to claim that the higher prices that we see when we go to shop at the grocery store is the result of something called greedflation, right? That companies are just greedy and that's why they raise the prices. Or shrinkflation, you know, claiming that there's less in a bag or a box because of companies are trying to do this because of greed. <clears throat> any, they're trying to spin it in any way they possibly can to get around the fact that they have caused this, you know, through their uh, relentless spending and other poor policies. Well, it, it's an economic fact. You can't continue to print money, which is essentially what they've done with all their big spending. It, the, if, you, if you print more money than the economy expands naturally, the inevitable outcome is inflation. There is no way around it. That's why it, that's why inflation was triggered, and they tried to make a big deal out of the fact that oh well we're down from nine percent to four percent. Well, okay, we're down from nine percent to four percent, but it's still four percent. And oh by the way, the twenty percent increase in everything that we've had over the last three years is still there. You know we haven't had deflation, so really folks are not better off than they were four years ago, as Ronald Reagan famously once asked, and we know that could have a big impact on the election. Yeah, absolutely. So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting, you know. And uh, we're we're looking forward to see what happens. Now, we're talking about the presidential race. We're talking about the U.S. Senate race, but also extremely important are three Commonwealth of Pennsylvania row offices seats that are going to be up this year. You're going to have two with incumbents, and that's current treasurer Stacy Garrity running for re-election as the state treasurer. You have the current state auditor general Tim DeFore running for re-election as auditor general. And then we're also, uh, we have, I believe it's going to be Dave Sunday is going to be running 
for the attorney general seat, which is currently held by Michelle Henry, who's not running. And there are a number of Democrats that are, are lining up for the primary to run against that. So we have three row office seats as well, not to mention the state Senate and state House seats that are on this ballot. And I'll tell you what, this this slate of statewide row office candidates we have, you know, with Stacey Garrity, Tim DeFore, and Dave Sunday, you know, you and I have been at this for a long time. Mm-hmm. I think this is this is the strongest, best ticket we've had for these statewide row officers that I've ever seen. And, of course, we have two incumbents, which is a, a big leg up for us. And I do think Dave Sunday is going to prevail in the uh, attorney general's race. You know, for a long time, uh, since the very first attorney general was elected back in the 80s with Leroy Zimmerman, uh, the attorney general's office was always Republican. Mm-hmm. And uh, we we did lose that with Josh Shapiro, but I think we can get it back. The state Senate's looking pretty good. Of course, as you know, the state House is the battleground. The Democrats, boy, they, they, they gerrymandered the living heck out oh, of my state gosh, House yes. seats. Uh, it cost us probably 15 to 20 seats just by the manner in which they gerrymandered districts. I mean, they split municipalities. They crossed natural boundaries. They threw Republicans together to run against each other. So all of that gave them a one-seat advantage. So we only have to really flip a couple seats, and we can get back in control there. But uh, that's going to be tough duty because the playing field is not level with the state house. Well, it is, and and that's going to be a challenge. And you know, but I think the Democrats really don't know how to govern. And I say that based upon their behavior here this past year in Harrisburg, and they were so intent on trying to put Republicans in a box. They ran so many what we typically in our, you know, Loman, we talk in our business, we call messaging bills. Okay, that I think what they've done is inadvertently made some of their uh, representatives vulnerable. You know, so some of these bills they run. You know, uh, for 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 men and women's sports, okay, <laughs> or abortion, or you know, on uh, trying to restrict Second Amendment rights. I think some of these things are going to come back to to bite them here. Well, that and and that's when they've been here. Uh, they are they are setting a record for fewest number of legislative days. Right now, they are on a break. They haven't been in session uh, since uh, since before Christmas. Actually, mm-hmm. right after Thanksgiving. Uh, <laughs> uh, interestingly, they they had a member of they had a Democrat member who resigned to become a district judge, and that dropped this down into a a one hundred one one hundred one tie here, Sam. And uh, so they decided to just not go back into session, uh, claiming that there was a, a leak in the roof right. of the house that right. needed to be fixed. And and of course, as you know, Sam, there's no place else in the Harrisburg area where <laughs> you could fit two hundred people into one room to hold a session. So we had to be out of session. We still are uh, going to be another two or three weeks. So there you have another three months. Last year, they went out of session uh, right around uh, right around uh, the 4th of July, didn't come back until almost October. It's like you know, they, they're not even there. And as you pointed out, when they are there, they pass these meaningless uh, messaging bills. And so therefore, nothing got done. They didn't even finish the budget until six months after the budget deadline last year. Right. And, and it seems the only thing they can do is they come out and claim that Republicans are bad. Yeah. Well, we are fortunate. Uh, Republicans are in charge of the state Senate. We have Republican leadership out there. That is the most outstanding leadership I think I've ever seen in the state Senate. And they're the adults in the room. They're getting things done. They're 
keeping the budget under control. The governor, of course, uh, came out, proposed a $48 billion budget, a 7% spending increase, funding all sorts of left-wing priorities. Uh, fortunately, Kim Ward, the president pro tempore, uh, she called it unicorns and rainbows, uh, and it's about as realistic as that. So uh, once again, we have a Democrat governor trying to spend us into oblivion, uh, but adults, Republicans in the state Senate are going to bring us back to what I think will probably be a good budget at the end of the day. No, absolutely. I have utmost confidence in, uh, in Senate pro temp Kim Ward and Joe Pittman, you know, the majority leader in the Senate as well. But it's going to be extremely important that Republicans get to the polls because Democrats with the governor's office or governor's mansion and with the majority they have in the House, if they were to take the Senate as well, and Democrats are fixated and counting on it, uh-huh. you know, I mean, it would be Katie bar the doors. They're going to do whatever. So, hey, Loman, we're going to have to take a break here, pay the bills, and we'll be, but folks, we're going to be right back after the break to talk more with Loman about this and other things going on including the Pennsylvania Leadership Conference. This is your host, Sam DeMarco, and you're listening to The Elephant in the Room on WJAS 1320 AM and 99.1 FM Talk. Good afternoon, folks. It's that time of the day again. Time for The Elephant in the Room on WJAS 1320 AM and 99.1 FM Talk. This is your host, Sam DeMarco, joined in studio by my trusty executive director, John Schneider. As always, I I, I say this all the time, I absolutely meet it. He is the best executive director of any party here in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. And I'm also joined today by our producer, Dazzling Dandy, Daryl Grandy. Daryl, thank you for doing everything that you do to help get our messages out over the airwaves to our listeners. Well, thank you for being here, Sam. Well, <laughs> yeah. well I'm here, too. But hey, what I'm really excited about today is we have, a, we have a great show lined up for our listeners today because I have on the phone here joining us from the central part of the state is a good friend of, of my, mine and this show, and that's Loman Henry. Now, Loman's the chairman and chief executive officer of the Lincoln Institute of Public Opinion Research, and that's a nonprofit public affairs foundation based in Harrisburg. But he also is very familiar with radio. He serves as the host of American Radio Journal, which is heard on over 200 radio stations nationwide, including this station. He's host of the Lincoln Radio Journal. And and also, he's the president of the Pennsylvania Leadership Council, which produces the annual Pennsylvania Leadership Conference. And we're going to talk a lot about that. So, Loman, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Sam. Always a pleasure to be with you guys. Well, I'll tell you what. Anytime we talk, I mean, you have... Such a breadth of experience when we talk about what you've done, you know, in your pr- prior life, okay? Yeah, I mean, you were former chief of staff, the state senator, Earl Baker. I mean, you were a political director for the state party. You were executive assistant to the attorney general of Pennsylvania, and you served an elective office, you know, in your township. <clears throat> so you really understand how government operates, you know, at almost all levels, and you bring a, a, a level of institutional knowledge that, that many don't possess. So, you know, I personally enjoy talking with you and understanding you know, your perspective on how some of the things we wrestle with today you know, had their roots you know, previously started years and years ago. Well, they certainly have. And, and I appreciate the job that you all are doing there in Allegheny County. Uh, a lot of folks don't realize that statewide, Allegheny County, if I believe, I believe I'm correct, you have the largest number of registered Republicans of any county in the state. I think I'm correct in that. Sam. Yes, sir. Yep. Uh, so, you know, even though there are a lot of Democrats in Allegheny County, there are a lot of Republicans, and that, of course, makes Allegheny County. Uh, and, you know, 
southwestern Pennsylvania, Sam, back when I started uh, many, unfortunately, decades ago now, I was a county chairman in Westmoreland County, and we were two and a half to one Democrat, Green County, Fayette County, Rock Solid Democrat, Allegheny Beaver. It is so great to see where southwestern Pennsylvania has gone in recent years, that it's now the most Republican part of the state outside of central Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm particularly north-central Pennsylvania, and you know, you really have been the, the growth area for the Republican Party. So uh, especially as we look at this uh, very uh, winnable U.S. Senate race that we have this year, uh, and of course uh, winning the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania for uh, Donald Trump, uh, certainly Allegheny County is going to play a big role, and uh, thanks to you guys for being part of that. Well, listen, we're, we're certainly going to do our best, and, and I appreciate all the kind words about the folks in southwestern Pennsylvania, but I can tell you, a lot of that hard work is being done by the chairman in the other counties. I mean, Bill Bretts in Westmoreland County is doing a phenomenal job. You know, Roman Kozak up in Beaver County has revitalized, you know, that county. You know, uh, the folks in Washington County, Sean Logue, is trying to do his best, you know, wrestling with some of the groups down there to, to try to unite that party. But they have really... They're the ones that have really turned this area red, okay? Allegheny County, while we've always had the most Republicans in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, have also had the second largest amount of Democrats in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, behind only Philadelphia. And But we are making progress. As of this week, Loman, I mean, it is under 2 to 1. It used to be, in the city of Pittsburgh, it's like a 5.5 to 1 D to R registration advantage for the Democrats. But when you took a look at the rest of the county, it was just over two to one. Well, now it's under two to one. Right now, there are 508,708 registered Democrat voters in Allegheny County and 257,557 registered Republicans. So Republican registration is growing. Democrat registration is sinking. And I believe when as people see more and more the results of progressive governance, you know, the terrible job that Mayor Ed Ganey is doing in the city of Pittsburgh. And uh, what I expect is not going to be much different. The job that the county executive, Sarah Inamorato, does here in Allegheny County, I think you'll see those numbers move even further. And, <clears throat> Sam, that is also happening statewide in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And one of, the, one of the stories that you don't see told very often, if at all, is the fact that if you go back four years ago to 2020, <clears throat> and certainly back to 2016, statewide in Pennsylvania, Democrats were approaching a million vote registration advantage over Republicans. That has now shrunk to under a half a million. Matter of fact, I haven't seen the, the numbers. Well, the February numbers will be coming out shortly. Uh, I think we're down to about a, about a 450,000 voter registration deficit. So if you look at the, the number, the, the way that margin has shrunk, far greater, Sam, than the margin by which Joe Biden won, in quotation marks, <clears throat> Pennsylvania uh, four years ago. Yeah. So just by registration alone, if Republicans turn out to vote in numbers that we have seen them do for Donald Trump before, we, we really have a very good chance of carrying this state for Donald Trump. Well, we absolutely do. And, and I'm looking at the latest numbers, Loman, from this week from the Department of State's website. <clears throat> and right now, the Democrats have a registered, or they have approximately 3,889,586 Democrats registered to vote in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Republicans have 3,479,122. So when you look at those two numbers there, the delta has come down from, if you remember uh, 2010, 
They had uh-huh. an advantage of almost a million two. Now yep. it's down to four hundred and ten thousand four hundred and sixty-four. Unbelievable. In the, of, in the month of January alone, there were something like seventy-two hundred new Republicans and uh, a net loss of twenty-nine Democrats. So oh, yeah. that trend is continuing. If it can tri- if it continues that way into the November election, Sam, I think we go into the November election under four hundred thousand down. Oh, I, well, I I absolutely agree, and you know I think one of the missteps here, you know, our governor. Uh, Josh Shapiro, when he took and opened up a PennDOT for automatic voter registration, I don't think he anticipated uh, the results that he's seeing today, which is really no advantage whatsoever for the Democrat Party. It's pretty much an equal, even distribution. Yep, that it is. And, uh, you know, the one thing, though, that we have to do better as a Republican Party very clearly is on mail-in balloting. Uh, The Democrats have been, you know, eating our lunch on that. Uh, Look at last year's statewide judicial races. Uh, You know, they they started out with such a mail-in ballot lead, we were unable to overcome it in Mm -hmm. the the election day voting. and I know, and I have this conversation, Sam, with a lot of people, uh, Republicans are skeptical of mail-in balloting. There's a lot of concern about ballot security, et cetera. But the bottom line is it's here. It's a fact of life. It isn't going to change, not with Josh Shapiro in the governor's office and especially with the Democrat House. Therefore, as a Republican Party, we have to get better at it or at least competitive with the Democrats if we expect to win. You can't have them voting for 50 days and us voting for one day and expect we're going to overcome it. We can't. So this year, I know a number of outside groups are going to be weighing in uh, with with mail-in ballot efforts. Citizens Alliance of Pennsylvania announced a $2 million program to go out and uh, push for mail-in ballots, the Pennsylvania Chase. We're, we're going to be talking more about that when we talk about the leadership conference in a little while. Mm-hmm. This, is how we're, this is how we're going to win and how we're going to be competitive. We're not going to let the Democrats beat us on mail-in balloting this time around. Well, we can't. I mean, you and I are both members of the same choir, and we're singing from the same hymn book where we've been pushing the fact that, you know, if mail-in ballots or an option for voting, we need to utilize that same option. You know, and I've often compared giving the Democrats the up to 50 days of early voting that they have to get out their vote and and relegating ourselves to the 13 hours on Election Day is basically like giving somebody a 50-yard head start in a 100-yard race. Well, look at what happened with the recent special congressional election up in New York, Mm -hmm. where the Democrats had banked their votes through mail-in balloting, on election day, a major snowstorm hit. And when the major snowstorm hit, Republicans didn't come out to vote because the roads were impassable. There was a major snowstorm. Right. So the Democrat took control and won that congressional special election. Because you never know what's going to happen on election day. Well, that, that also... Pennsylvania weather, you never know what's going to happen an hour from now. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. No, I was going to add, that also happened here in the special election out there in Bucks County. You know, they had a snowstorm that day as well, and they were a, between lower bucks and upper bucks. It varied between four and nine inches. And, you know, one of the things in studies have shown, for every inch of snowfall, it reduces turnout by 1%. Uh-huh. For every inch of rain, it reduces turnout by half a percent, you know. So when I try to talk to folks about using these ballots, and I vote by mail, Loman, it frees me up on election day to do whatever I need to do, okay? But... I try to tell folks, it takes all of the risks in life out of the equation. You know, you don't have to worry. Your kids get sick. 
Yeah, you get called out of town for work, car breaks down. I mean, there's a myriad of excuses or things that come up, you know, in life that can affect people's ability to get to the polls on election day. Here, you take all that out of the equation and you get your vote and you get it banked early. And the other big benefit, if you vote by mail and you vote early, all the campaigns leave you alone. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that isn't that worth doing in and of itself? Yeah, no more text messages, phone calls, direct mail pieces. All that goes away. Exactly. And so, hey, if you want to vote by mail just because you don't want to be bothered with all the incessant contacts that you get during campaign season, that's a great reason to use it. You know, if you want to vote by mail because you want to help your party, you know, that's a great way because it allows them to spend the money they do have more effectively, more cost-effectively, by not having to contact you who have already cast your vote and banked your vote, you know, and it's sitting there waiting to be opened on election day. So a lot of great reasons, you know, to use it. It's just a matter of, can we get, you know, our voters to do so? And, uh, you know, since 2020, that's been a bit of a challenge for us, right? It really has. And and this is a great way too for us to go out and get those low propensity voters, uh, the folks that don't show up every election day. Mm -hmm. Uh, We get our volunteers out there knocking on their door, getting them to vote by mail, and that that just adds voters to the to the turnout. And you know, in Pennsylvania, even though the voter registration margin is shrinking, uh, we still need to do better in turnout than Democrats do in order to win. Now, fortunately for us, uh, we're going to have at the top of the ticket this year the person who most motivates voters to the polls, uh, and that's Donald Trump. And that's true. But that's also he motivates voters on both sides, yeah. and that's the concern, right? <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> Well, we're going to hope that the uh, the Democrat voters move as slowly as the president does. <laughs> oh. oh, isn't that the truth? Uh, yeah, I, which means they won't be able to find their way to the polls. Right, <laughs> right. Or, 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 or if they're riding their bike, they will have fallen and not be able to get up. You know, <laughs> I mean, he certainly had his, he certainly had his challenges. And yeah, who would have thought that we'd get to this place? And uh, but it, it, here we are, and it certainly looks like eighty-one-year-old Joe Biden and seventy-seven-year-old. Uh, former President Donald Trump are going to be, you know, the nominees uh, or the folks that are on the ballot here this November, unless something changes. And I don't know what the chances of that are. Probably slim. Uh, it would it would really require something extraordinary to derail either Donald Trump or Joe Biden from their nomination and from going into the fall. Now, certainly there are things that can happen, but. It would be it would be extraordinary and historical if it does. So at this point, I think we're just going to have a rerun of the 2020 election. Mm-hmm. But look at the polling, Sam. In every one, every one of the battleground states, Donald Trump has taken a lead. And now we're a long way. It's only you know it's only the first of March here. You know where you have a long way to go until November. Right. But it, it's uh, rather astounding to see Donald Trump with that sort of a polling lead in all these battleground states. And, you know, he doesn't have to win every one of them. Uh, you, you just have to get to that magic 270. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what? I mean, you, you're, I'm following the polls as well. <clears throat> and like you, I mean, I'm, I'm doing it, uh, I don't want to say with trepidation, but I, you know, I'm very hopeful. But I recognize that it's just a snapshot in time. And there's a lot of things that are going to happen before Election Day. So my fingers are crossed, you know. But in, in addition, while we're talking about the presidential race, I'm very excited but also concerned for all of our down-ballot races. You know, we have, uh, when John Fetterman was elected in 2022, it was the first time in many years 
we didn't have a Republican senator here in Pennsylvania. And so Bob Casey is being challenged by Dave McCormick, who's an outstanding candidate and the toughest candidate that uh, Bob Casey has ever faced You know, in this year. And I'm very hopeful that the increased turnout driven by former President Trump you know, will be enough to help get McCormick over the finish line and to be able to put a Republican down there in Washington representing us in the U.S. Senate. Well, I think we certainly have a chance. You're absolutely correct. Bob Casey has never faced a candidate, probably since uh, since he won his first election mm-hmm. against Rick Santorum, has not faced a challenger <clears throat> who has the the credentials and the money and the organization and the folks behind him, as does Dave McCormick. And the fact that this year we were able to avoid a fractious primary, so we're not spending money against each other in the primary. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's already said it's going to be Dave McCormick versus Bob Casey. We're able to go full speed into the general election. And you know, Sam, Bob Casey doesn't have anything to run on. In his time in Washington, he's had his name. He's not sponsored or, or has achieved any major piece of legislation whatsoever. And I think that that's a big po- point that Mr. McCormick is making. He's saying that in Pennsylvania here, we are a consequential state. You know, whoever wins Pennsylvania will likely win the White House, all right? But yet we have the least consequential senator that we've had in Bob Casey, who, as you just pointed out, you know, in 17-plus years in the United States Senate, doesn't have a single piece of signature legislation he can hang his hat on. And he's he's got the same problem Joe, Joe Biden has. Uh, what are you going to run on? Uh, you can't run on the economy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had uh, cumulatively 20% inflation over the, the, the last three years of, of Joe Biden. Uh, wage growth has not kept up with inflation. Interest rates have priced people out of the housing market. Uh, at the kitchen table, people are having difficulty making ends meet, so you can't talk about the economy. Uh, you can't talk about foreign affairs. I mean, my goodness, uh, look at the disaster that was uh, the Biden withdrawal from Afghanistan. That emboldened Putin. We've had the, the, the attack in Israel. Uh, the world is a mess. There is literally nothing for Joe Biden or Bobby Casey to run on, which is why, of course, Sam, and it, it's a subject of a commentary I wrote this week, that, that's why they keep talking about democracy in peril, because they, they don't have anything to talk about. So they're trying to demonize voters of the opposing party, and frankly, that doesn't really get you votes. Uh, all it does is further motivate the people who are going to go out there and work against you to begin with, and that doesn't attract any new voters to you. So the Democrats are really up against the wall with nothing to sell, no product to sell, and they have a chief salesman who can't even find his way off a stage. Oh, yeah, they, they, <laughs> you're absolutely right. And, and when you talk about that, I mean, you were talking about Bob Casey is trying to run. I mean, I don't know if he and Biden are joined at the hip, you know, and they're, and they're bad hips at their age, but they're joined at the hip here because they're trying to insult the intelligence of the voters here in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania and across this country by trying to claim that the higher prices that we see when we go to shop at the grocery store is the result of something called greedflation, right? That companies are just greedy and that's why they raise the prices. Or shrinkflation, you know, claiming that there's less in a bag or a box because of companies are trying to do this because of greed. <clears throat> Any, they're trying to spin it in any way they possibly can to get around the fact that they have caused this, you know, through their uh, relentless spending and other poor policies. Well, it's an economic fact. You can't continue to print money, which is essentially what they've done with all their big spending. 
it, the, if you if you print more money than the economy expands naturally, the inevitable outcome is inflation. There is no way around it. That's why it, that's why inflation was triggered, and they tried to make a big deal out of the fact that oh well we're down from nine percent to four percent. Well. Okay, we're down from 9% to 4%, but it's still 4%. And oh, by the way, the 20% increase in everything that we've had over the last three years is still there. You know, we haven't had deflation. So really, folks are not better off than they were four years ago, as Ronald Reagan famously once asked. And we know that could have a big impact on the election. Yeah, absolutely. So it's going to be it's going to be interesting, you know, and uh, we're, we're looking forward to see what happens. Now, we're talking about the presidential race. We're talking about the U.S. Senate race. But also extremely important are three Commonwealth of Pennsylvania row offices seats that are going to be up this year. You're going to have two with incumbents, and that's current treasurer Stacey Garrity running for re-election as a state treasurer. You have the current state auditor general, Tim DeFore, running for re-election as auditor general. And then we're also, uh, we have, I believe it's going to be Dave Sunday, is going to be running for the attorney general seat which is currently held by Michelle Henry, who's not running. And there are a number of Democrats that are, are lining up for the primary to run against that. So we have three row office seats as well, not to mention the state Senate and state House seats that are on this ballot. And I'll tell you what, this this slate of statewide row office candidates we have, you know, with Stacey Garrity, Tim DeFore, and Dave Sunday, you, know, you and I have been at this for a long time. Mm-hmm. I think this is this is the strongest, best ticket we've had for these statewide row officers that I've ever seen. And, of course, we have two incumbents, which is a, a big leg up for us. And I do think Dave Sunday is going to prevail in the uh, attorney general's race. You know, for a long time, uh, since the very first attorney general was elected back in the 80s with Leroy Zimmerman, uh, the attorney general's office was always Republican. Mm-hmm. And uh, we we did lose that with Josh Shapiro, but I think we can get it back. The state Senate's looking pretty good. Of course, as you know, the state House is the battlegrown. The Democrats, boy, they, they, they gerrymandered the living heck out oh, of my state gosh, House yes. seats. Uh, it cost us probably 15 to 20 seats just by the manner in which they gerrymandered districts. I mean, they split municipalities. They crossed natural boundaries. They threw Republicans together to run against each other. So all of that gave them a one-seat advantage. So we only have to really flip a couple seats, and we can get back in control there. But uh, that's going to be tough duty because the playing field is not level with the state house. Well, it is, and and that's going to be a challenge. And you know, but I think the Democrats really don't know how to govern. And I say that based upon their behavior here this past year in Harrisburg, and they were so intent on trying to put Republicans in a box. They ran so many what we typically, in our, you know, Loman, we talk in our business, we call messaging bills, okay, that I think what they've done is inadvertently made some of their uh, representatives vulnerable, you know. So some of these bills they run, you know, uh, for, for, for men in women's sports, okay, <laughs> or abortion or, you know, on uh, trying to restrict Second Amendment rights. I think some of these things are going to come back to, to bite them here. Well, that, and, and that's when they've been here. Uh, they, are, they are setting a record for fewest number of legislative days. Right now, they're on a break. They haven't been in session uh, since, uh, since before Christmas, actually mm-hmm. right after Thanksgiving. Uh, 
<laughs> uh, interestingly, they they had a member of they had a Democrat member who resigned to become a district judge, and that dropped this down into a a one hundred one one hundred one tie here, Sam. And uh, so they decided to just not go back into session, uh, claiming that there was a, a leak in the roof right. of the house that right. needed to be fixed. And and of course, as you know, Sam, there's no place else in the Harrisburg area where <laughs> you could fit two hundred people into one room to hold a session. So we had to be out of session. We still are uh, going to be another two or three weeks. So there you have another three months. Last year, they went out of session uh, right around uh, right around uh, the 4th of July, didn't come back until almost October. It's like you know, they, they're not even there. And as you pointed out, when they are there, they pass these meaningless uh, messaging bills. And so therefore, nothing got done. They didn't even finish the budget until six months after the budget deadline last year. Right. And, and it seems the only thing they can do is they come out and claim that Republicans are bad. Yeah. Well, we are fortunate. Uh, Republicans are in charge of the state Senate. We have Republican leadership out there. That is the most outstanding leadership I think I've ever seen in the state Senate. And they're the adults in the room. They're getting things done. They're keeping the budget under control. The governor, of course, uh, came out, proposed a $48 billion budget, a 7% spending increase, funding all sorts of left-wing priorities. Uh, fortunately, Kim Ward, the president pro tempore, uh, she called it unicorns and rainbows, uh, <laughs> and it's about as realistic as that. So uh, once again, we have a Democrat governor trying to spend us into oblivion, uh, but adults, Republicans in the state Senate, are going to bring us back to what I think will probably be a good budget at the end of the day. No, a- absolutely. I have utmost confidence in uh, in Senate Pro Temp Kim Ward and Joe Pittman, you know, the majority leader in the Senate as well. <clears throat> but it's going to be extremely important that Republicans get to the polls because Democrats with the governor's office or governor's mansion and with the majority they have in the House, if they were to take the Senate as well, and Democrats are fixated and counting on it, uh-huh. you know, I mean, it would be Katie bar the doors. They're going to do whatever. So- Hey, Loman, we're going to have to take a break here, pay the bills, and we'll be, but folks, we're going to be right back after the break to talk more with Loman about this and other things going on, including the Pennsylvania Leadership Conference. This is your host, Sam DeMarco, and you're listening to The Elephant in the Room on WJAS 1320 AM and 99.1 FM Talk.